What are some of the things that you worry about? What do you worry about, Mary Nell? Children. Children, yeah. Health, yeah. What do you worry about? Nobody worries about anything, right? We all have our little things that seem to to be the, the biggest problem for us. But uh, worry is something that the Lord disdains, I believe. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, you'll read with me a passage uh, uh, very common to you. Very, uh, you've read it thousands of times, I'm sure. The words of Jesus speaking to us. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Worry means to pull in opposite directions. It is the opposite of peace, which is to bring together. Someone said this, Worry is a thin stream of fear that trickles through the mind. If encouraged, it cuts a wide channel which drains away all other thoughts. Worry destroys constructive thinking. Jesus tells us not to worry. To worry is sin, but we have made it a respectable sin, haven't we? We are not to worry. So, so how do we win the worry war? I was reading, I've written some things down here that I, I've read this week, but one of those, for several years a woman had been having trouble getting to sleep at night, and the reason was that she feared burglars. She was afraid of burglars. So one night her husband heard a noise, and uh, he went downstairs to in investigate, and sure enough, there was a burglar in the house. And he said this. He said, good evening, sir. I'm so pleased to see you. Come upstairs and meet my wife. She's been waiting to, to meet you for ten years. <clears throat> that, that's the way that where he goes on occasion, isn't it? We worry about so many things. So tonight I want to talk a little bit about worry and, and uh, what we should know about it. First of all, uh, to define worry. Um, 
Worry is fear's extravagance. Worry is fear's extravagance. It extracts interest on trouble before it comes due. It constantly drains the energy God gives us to face daily problems and to fulfill our many responsibilities. It is therefore a sinful waste. A woman who had lived long enough to have learned more important truths about life remarked, I've had a lot of trouble, most of which never happened. You understand? She had worried about many things that never occurred and had come to futility in her thinking about all of those things. How do we define worry? What is worry to you? Well, let me just share these couple of things that I think about worry. First of all, worry is an incorrect view of life. A normal view of life is concerned about food, clothing, provision for the family. But we find in Scripture in Matthew 4.4 that man shall not live by bread alone. Life is a lot more than just material things. And I want to tell you folks, it is no big job for God to provide for us, is it? We, we worry about this and we worry about that and God's provision for our family, but it's really not a big job for God to provide for us. If we can trust Him to save us for all eternity, don't you think we can, say, can trust Him to take care of our daily needs? If you look at it in that, in that vein, it may become a little bit more clear to us. But, but worry is an incorrect view of living. Worry is also an incorrect value of life. He uses the illustration of the birds that flew over. Birds are God's creation, and, and we are His children. We're His creation as well. But how many of you know any bird that's got an ulcer? Have you ever know of any bird that's got an ulcer? I certainly don't. There may have been. But, but I don't know. Uh, they busy, busily engage in gathering God's provision, and they don't worry about that day to day. If God is taking care of them, He's going to take care of us. He values our life. Sometimes our worry is a sin because it seems like we don't trust God with the value of our life. We don't think that that he thinks we're important enough to take care of us. But God says to us that we are more valuable than the birds. We are, we are so valuable to him, and we need to not take that for granted. You know, a king would not worry about food on the table, would he? But neither should we worry, because we belong to the king. We belong to the master. And He is going to care for our needs. We need to understand that without a doubt. Worry is an incorrect view of life. Worry is an incorrect value of life. Now how do we describe worry? The first way that I describe worry is useless. This comes from uh, J. Arthur Rank, who was an English executive. And he decided to do all of his worrying on one day of the week. Mark, all of his worrying on one day of the week. <laughs> Just the one I thought of. <laughs> he chose Wednesdays. 
when anything happened that gave him anxiety and annoyed his ulcer, he would write it down on a piece of paper and he'd put it in his worry box and forget about it until the next Wednesday. But the interesting thing was that when it came the following Wednesday, he opened his box, his worry box, and he found that most of the things that he had put in that box had already taken care of themselves without worry. And it would have been useless to worry about them. Friends, worry is useless. It does no good to worry. The scripture there in in verse 27. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Jesus is questioning, who can add 18 inches to your height because you're worrying about something? It's not going to do you any good. He's talking about the fact that worry is useless. It won't add a single day to your life. Uh, Actually, worrying is going to take days away from your life, isn't it? It won't add to your life. But we are obsessed with the longevity of life in our culture. Uh, and, and we need to understand that if, if, if we want to live long, we need not to worry. Did, did you know, you've heard the story about, or the, the study, I should say, that, that happily married people live longer? You believe that? Some of you are not sure you believe that. Anyway, that's what the study says, okay? Uh, and most of that is because the worry, much of worry of life is removed in that. Now, I know there are still concerns that you have for your spouse, that sort of thing. But one of the issues of happily married people is a lot of things that we worry about as an individual are taken away with, with our spouse and, and the love that we share. We, we need to take care of ourselves and, and promote the quality of life. But, but how many days we live is really not that important. What's important about living is the quantity of life that we have. Are you worried about if you're going to have tomorrow or not? Do you sit around worrying about whether you're going to be alive to, to see your grandkids graduate or whatever it may be? Are you worrying about how long you're going to live? <coughs> it's useless. You, you, because there's nothing you can do about the length of your life, is it? So you need to worry, not worry, you need to, to give, give thought to the, the quantity of your life and how the quantity of your life will be lifted up rather than the... Uh, the, uh, the uh, what did I say? The quality of life will be lifted up rather than the quantity. Those cue words get me, get me in trouble. Now, Mark, you're, I know you're laughing because when we're singing back there a while ago, I mix all the words up too. I just say whatever word comes to my mind. But you understand, quality is more important than quantity. Not only is worry useless, but it's faithless. Look at verse 28. Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, neither toil or spin. And yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory was arrayed like one of these. If God clothes the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow, he not, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? God's concerned about the flowers of the field. 
isn't going to be more concerned about you? You of little faith. We need to apply faith to every area of our life. Every area of our life. Uh, we apply it to spiritual matters a lot of times. And so we think we're, we're doing well. But we need to, to put our faith in practice by trusting God for everything that we have. Most of you at lunch today sit down and thank God for what He had given you and blessing you, right? That in itself should give us faith enough to realize that every day God has blessed us. Every day God is taking care of us. So we ought to have faith enough to believe that tomorrow is going to be the same. Worry is unwillingness to trust God in some area of your life. What area of your life have you not given to God in that respect? Worry is faithless. Worry is needless. Verse 31. What shall we What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows what you need already. Most people in our world today spend their time pursuing material things. Material things. But... We need to live on the level of the supernatural and not the natural. We need to live in such a way that we understand that God knows about all of our needs. And did you know that, that uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 8 says that God knows what your need is before you ask for it? He already knows about that. He commands us to ask, but He, he already knows our need before we even ask. Did you know? that God knows if your washer or your refrigerator is going to go out next week. God knows that. He knows the, the financial condition you're in, and He knows about that. Maybe I should use transmission in your car, because that's even, what's that, an $8,000 deal for, for a lot of the newer cars today? God knows about that. We, we don't worry about what's going to happen with that, because God's already got it under control, right? So worry in that fact is needless. But so many times it continues to, to be a problem for us. The last thing I would say is, how do we defeat that worry? <clears throat> this is from Ian McLaren. What does your anxiety do? It does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but it does empty today of its strength. It does not make you escape the evil. It makes you unfit to cope with it when it comes. But God gives you the power to bear all the sorrow of His making. He does not guarantee to give us strength to bear the burdens of our own making, such as which worry brings on. God is going to help us deal with everything that comes to our life. So why are we worrying? We must defeat worry. Uh, we need to make Christ number one in our life. As, uh, as I see some folks in a, that are older, we've, we've watched some of our, our relatives get older, and uh, they have trouble kind of dressing themselves at some point. And, and maybe they'll start buttoning their shirt and they'll get off on the first button. 
And then when we get to the end, it's all uneven, right? Now, I went ahead and said older folks that are your relatives, but some of you are having trouble with that right now, right? So, uh, but you know what I mean? If you get the first button right, everything else falls into place. And that's what the Scripture is teaching us here. If we're going to defeat worry, we need to put Christ as number one in our life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If Christ is in the first place, then everything else is going to fall in place. We, we need to give Him our future. And, and I go back to the, the uh, couple of things that I've already read. There are so many things that we worry about that are never going to happen. And you know that, don't you? Because you've worried about some of those things and you come two or three days uh, after that worry was supposed to be a problem and you find out that it worked out all by itself. You didn't have to worry about that after all. But why can't we learn that? Why can't we come to that place of learning that? Don't worry today about the future. Don't, Don't bring all of what you think are going to be life's calamities to bear on this moment. You may be having a bad day today. And then, and, and I've done this. I've been guilty of this. I've had a few bad things happen. And then I think everything's going to happen bad. Everything that to this day is just going to fall apart. I've already made those things fall apart because I've already started worrying about it. Don't tell me you haven't done that because I know that you have. We need to recognize that each thing that comes, we can trust God to take care of. And we don't have to worry about the things that might happen because this happened today. Well, my, my, my car, the, the, the service light went on my car. So when the service light goes on in your car, what's the first thing you think? My engine's blown. I'm, I, it's, it's, that's it. It's done. Well, usually what it is is some goofy gas sensor that still costs quite a bit of money to fix, but it's not an engine blown, okay? But that's an example of how we deal with things so much. But we don't worry about those things that we can't control in the future. We give all of those things to God. And that's where we have the biggest problem with worry, is giving our future to God, giving tomorrow to God. Because we do not know what tomorrow holds. We need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient to meet our need today. In Deuteronomy 33, 25, As thy days, so shall thy strength be. Every day, God's going to give you the strength that you need. In Lamentations 3, His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Folks, we've got to learn to live one day at a time and quit worrying about what tomorrow is going to be. Now, I can't say that none of us are going to be concerned about things that we see coming. It's hard just to forget about those things. But can we truly come to that place where we just put it in God's hands? He has proven so many times in the past that He's going to take care of us. Why can't we trust Him with it for today? But it seems that we just allow worry to continue.
to, to be a burden on our lives. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your care upon Him because He cares for you. There's a companion passage in Psalm 55 and verse 22. It says just virtually the same thing. We can put all of our worries on God because He cares about us. And we don't have to carry those burdens of worry ourselves. Someone said that you worry about your children. Children and grandchildren. You know, with uh, those of us that have grandchildren now and, and we see the world that, that they're going to live in and, and we're worried about that. We're concerned about what's going to happen to them. But you know, I just want to bet you that, that your grandparents used to be worried about you too and worried about what you were going to have to face and, and God was still in control in your life and He's still going to be in control in their lives. We've got to learn how to give our children and our grandchildren to the Lord. And I know that's not an easy thing, but, but just be reminded, as your kids get older, you can't make them do anything. You can't make them do anything. You just got to pray for them and trust them into God's hands. You worry about your health, Bob said. And I think for, for many of us, that's something that, that uh, we, we're concerned about. Uh, when I started having so much blood pressure problem, I just I let that begin to, to worry me moment, all the time. And, and I've seen my mother doing the same thing with that. You take your blood pressure every 15 minutes to see if you're getting better. And I realized that, that that was something that I was just worrying about all the time. But at some point, we just got to trust God with that. If my blood pressure is 246 over 300 or whatever, I don't know whatever it is. If it's high, I'm going to have to trust God with that. I'm going to do everything I can to take care of that, but I'm going to have to trust God to take care of me through those times. And again, I'm not talking about just ignoring. I'm talking about not worrying about every moment of your life. We, we certainly don't know what health issues are going to come tomorrow. But God is going to give us the grace and He's going to give us the strength that we need to deal with whatever comes in our lives. Do you trust Him? Do you trust Him? Or is your day... Is your life spent worrying all the time about things that you can't change, about things that you have no control over? Your life is going to be miserable if you're spending all of the time, wasting all of your time in worry because you can't change a thing. Certainly, God's given us the, the mind uh, he's given us wisdom to do those things that we can. But we all know there are some things that we cannot control. And that's when we get, have to trust God for those things. Do you trust Him? Or are you a worry one? Father, I bow before you tonight recognizing that we all struggle with the issue of worry. But God, I come to you tonight asking that, that we truly would be able to give our lives into your hands. Lord, that we could trust you like never before. And Lord God, I pray that whatever it is, our children, our health, 
whatever it may be, Lord, that we know that you love us and we know that you love them. We know that you're perfectly capable. And Lord, we have confidence that you can take care of the problems that we face. So Lord God, I pray tonight that you will help us truly to learn to trust you more than we ever have before. And God, I pray for those tonight that that would confess that they are warriors. Lord God, I pray that you will bring that peace that passes understanding into their hearts and lives tonight. Lord God, I pray that you would do a mighty work just to bring us that peace. Lord, remembering that peace draws us together in hope, but worry. Lord, worry tears apart and produces pain. So Lord God, tonight I pray that by faith we will trust you in all things. In Jesus' name. Right there where you are tonight, I just ask you to confess worry is a sin. I'd ask you to confess that particular sin of worry that is on your heart. Just give it to God. Seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness in all of these things will be at. He will take care of everything that happens. You notice that that passage that we quote so much is right there in that context of worry. Put Him first. Everything else will be taken care of. Would you just pray that tonight? you ever feel like you're different than everybody else? Some of us are more different than others, we understand. There are a lot of differences in this world. We, we recognize that uh, Republicans and Democrats are different, right? <clears throat> we recognize that nations are different. We have different qualities, different values, different ideals, different theologies. There, there are a lot of differences that we see in this world. There are things that we notice that are just unique about other people that maybe are not unique to us. One of the greatest distinctives of our lives as Christians is that we are to be different from the rest of the world. Some of us don't really feel comfortable with that. We don't like that being different, and so what do we do? We start trying to blend in with the world. It's just so much easier to blend in with the world than to try to stand out as unique or stand out as to be different from anyone in this world. But because of our initial conversion experience and the faith that we have and the continuing experience of faith that we should be growing in, we should stand out in this world as truly unique. Now, there are people that do a lot of things to try to be different don't they? Um, you'll, I know those of you that may have these markings, I, I'm, I'm, I apologize, I'm not picking on you, but a lot of people are just having more tattoos than they used to have. Amen. Why? I ask myself, why is that? Uh, to, to look, to stand out, to draw people's attention. Uh, and, and we kind of look down sometimes upon some of those things, you know, nose rings and tattoos and, and stuff like that. They're trying to be different, trying to be unique. But while we look down on those folks, 
we ourselves want to just blend in with the world. We ought to, in some ways, have some of the, the, the same attitudes of those that are trying to, to look different. We, as Christians, ought to try to look different in this world. Everything that we try to accomplish in Jesus Christ should make us stand out, look different from the rest of this world. In a sense, not drawing attention to ourselves, but drawing our attention to Jesus Christ, our Lord. I want you to go with me to a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in the first nine verses, and let's see what Paul has to say to the Corinthians. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, through the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Jesus Christ, that you were enriched in everything by Him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul has prescribed some things there that have happened in our lives. Some things that have taken place because of Jesus Christ that ought to make us stand out, that ought to make us different in this life. Let's look at just a few of those. The first one is the experience of grace. Friends, we need to understand, not everyone in this world has experienced the grace of God like you and I have. Those of us called to Jesus Christ, we have experienced His grace. No person can become a believer in Jesus Christ apart from God's grace. Being a child of God is not based on anything that we achieve, any of our ability, but it's the unmerited gift and grace of God. Notice the Scripture says here in verse 4, I thank God for the grace of God which was given to you. The moment the Corinthians received Jesus Christ, they had been given the gift of grace by God. In God's grace, the unacceptable become accepted. The guilty are forgiven. The, the payback to God is impossible. We can't do anything uh, to, to pay back the, the great gift that God has given us. And all of our human, human boasting is all of a sudden nullified because uh, now everything that we have is because of the grace of God that is ours. People can only begin to be different. They can only begin to stand out when they receive the marvelous gift of God's grace. Friends, if you receive the grace of God, then you ought to be different in this world. There's something about you because of that great gift of grace that's been given that makes you different. Philippians 1.7 says, We are partakers together of God's grace. So we're all different together. I want you to notice that word partaker because I'm, gonna, I'm going to mention it in every point that I make today. Partaker means 
to participate in, to share with, to take part in. We are partakers together of God's marvelous grace. Friends, that's one thing we got in common, is the grace of God. There are are differences in our life, yes, but we have in common the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Now, that causes us as Christians to stand out, to be different. When the grace gift comes to us, things begin to change. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. And because of that, we don't look like the rest of the world. We shouldn't want to look like the rest of the world, folks. Do you agree with that? We shouldn't want to look like the rest of the world. We want to look like Jesus, right? Now I want to tell you, Jesus was different when He came to this earth, wasn't He? And because of that, people came against Him. He butted heads with a lot of people because He was different. He had brought the brand new covenant of God to this earth. He brought it to us who would accept it. And because of that, He was seen as different. And my friends, just as Jesus was seen as different, because we have the grace of God, we are going to be seen as different. And it's going to cause some head bumping somewhere along the way, because we're different from the rest of this world. But friends, we've been called to that. Been called to that. There's a second thing that makes us different, and that is the essence of holiness. Look at verse 2. Those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be the saints. The believers have the holiness of God within them. We are being sanctified. We are being made holy. We are are growing in Him every day. That's what sanctified means. It is a part of our salvation that causes us to grow in Jesus Christ and to look more like Him every day in our lives. Sanctified in Christ speaks of the position that we have in Him, when when He was sacrificed on the cross, He put us in the position of being different. When we trusted Him, He put us in the position of being different because we are being sanctified, becoming like Jesus. Uh, The called of God are called to be holy. And it describes the process that comes when we first trust Jesus Christ and then we begin to grow in Him. Now, the more we open ourselves to Him, the more that we become like Him. We are becoming more and more holy. In Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 10, there's the indication uh, in that whole passage, or that context of chapter 12, that, that God chastises us because He loves us, right? And be, it is because of that chastisement that we become holy. You see, He has to to bring us that discipline. He has to chastise us, and then we become more like Him. And then He says, in verse 10 of Hebrews 12, we are partakers, there's that word again, partakers of His holiness. We are becoming like Him, and that makes us different. So, Is the Christian church, is is this body of believers really seen as being different in this world? If, If every one of us were to disappear from this world today, everybody in this room, if we were to disappear from this world today, would it make any difference? 
Would people know that we are God? I tend to believe that they would. But friends, there is a way in which we can make ourselves disappear from this world. You don't go to dirty movies anymore. You don't go to bars anymore. You don't go to those places that the world considers pleasurable but are outside the holiness of God. We don't, we don't watch those dirty things. We don't put things before our eyes that dishonor God. Now friends, if you quit going to all of those places that the rest of the world goes to, I think they would notice it. There's always a joke about this. Uh, Pastor, would you just go to the casino with me and, and we, we'll just eat. We're not going to do anything. We're just going to eat. And you know what my response is? No, I don't want to go because I'll see too many of my church members. <laughs> now that's a joke, okay? It's a joke. But, but in reality, how many times do we find ourselves in the places that this world haunts? How many times do we look just like the rest of the world? Well, my friends, when the holiness of God began to be a part of your life, you were being sanctified, being made like Christ every day, then it ought to make a difference in where we go. It ought to make a difference because we're going to separate ourselves from the world. A third thing I would say to you, we are separate, we are different because we have been enriched with spiritual gifts. We have been enriched with spiritual gifts. Paul noted that the gifts that, that God gives us sometimes are often seen as not important. And some of you are struggling with that. Well, preacher, my gift really doesn't make any difference. I, I, I really don't seem to stand out because I don't have one of those greater gifts. Well, <clears throat> when President Reagan was shot in 1981, some of you remember that. The nation's government continued on. Nothing changed. The government just continued on. But you'll remember that at that same time, the garbage men in Philadelphia went on strike for three weeks. And it brought its city to its knees because garbage started piling up. And at that point, began to realize that the garbage people in Philadelphia were just important as Ronald Reagan. And I say all of that just to remind you, God gifted you so that you could be different in this life and live in a way that is going to make a difference in people's lives. We are gifted with specific natural gifts that God gives us and abilities. He enrich, enriches our lives with those gifts. And the scripture indicates that we're not lacking in anything that we need. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says, He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He gives spiritual things that cannot be learned or earned in order that we may accomplish His will on this earth. And my friends, if we are using those gifts that God has given us to accomplish what He has designed, people are going to see us as different. They're going to be seeing us using spiritual gifts, not just abilities that most every man has. We're going to be using strong spiritual gifts. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 27, it says, We are partakers of God together 
in the spiritual things of this life. Friends, we've got something bigger and better than the rest of this world. We have the almighty God of the universe by His Spirit gifting us with everything that we need to live. And therefore, we can be different than this world. Another reason that we're different is because we have something else that the world doesn't have. We have the expectancy of the Lord's return. God's people are different because we have a unique view of history. We believe that history is going somewhere. We believe that we are waiting for the full revelation of Christ and His return. And we have the, the unique hope in the fact that Christ's return will bring an end to all evil. Folks, we've got hope. The, the world we live in doesn't have much hope. Oh, they may say that they do. They may talk about hope. But the only hope that we have is in Jesus Christ. I've told you the story about the man that I worked with at the millworks. And I tried to talk to him about Jesus. And, and he, he was very hardened in his heart. And he says, there is nothing at the end of all of this. I was born. I'm going to live. I'm going to die and I'm going to turn to dust. And that's all that there is. There's nothing else. Well, my friends in Christ Jesus, we have a new hope that the rest of this world doesn't have. You look at, at a, a big portion of our world today that wants nothing to do with God and thinks that everything that we have is just in this vapor of a life that has been given to us. Well, my friends, we're different. We've got a hope. And here's the thing about it. We're different in the fact that we can give that hope to other people. The world has nothing to offer me in regard to hope. But we, as God's people, Know that He's coming again. And in Ephesians 3, 6, there's that indication that we are the partakers of that promise. We are the partakers of the promise of an eternity with God in heaven. My friends, when you talk about the coming of Jesus Christ to a lost person, there ought to be a gleam in your eye. There ought to be something that they can see of, of the hope that you sense. They ought to be able to see that in your life. We have something that the rest of the world does not have. We have hope. There's one last thing I would share with you. We enjoy fellowship. <clears throat> Here's what most of us have found out. You don't have to be drunk to get happy. We're, we're drunk on the Spirit. The Spirit of God. I can fellowship with other Christians and we can laugh and we can have joy like nobody could ever imagine. I want to tell you, it, it, people looking at us and seeing at us enjoy fellowship with one another and with God, they see something different. I want to tell you, man, if you've not come to a Thursday morning coffee, you're not learning very much to begin with. But we laugh. We fellowship. We just, you know, th there's something really deep that we talked about this last Thursday that, that all should have been there to hear. We talked about cow burps. Yes, cow burps. I mean, it doesn't get any deeper than that, right? 
Well, all I'm trying to get across to you is the joy of being with other Christians. The joy of just being able to be together. And then to know that it's because of the fellowship that we have in Jesus Christ. And it all, it all starts right back where we started with the grace of God. Why can we have that fellowship? Because of the grace of God. Every one of us who have trusted Jesus Christ have been given that grace gift. We are one of His, and because of that, we have fellowship together in Christ. What a marvelous thing that that is. And there is only fellowship because of our fellowship in Jesus Christ. But friends, people can look at us, and they can see that we love one another. Isn't, isn't that what John had to say to us? This is the way that they're going to know that you're Christians because you love one another. They're going to see the difference in the way that you love and you fellowship together. My friends, Paul is exposing the truth in this passage that Christians are different. But why? What's the reason that, that we are to be different? Well, the reason we're different is because of Jesus Christ. Nine times he uses here the word of Jesus Christ. He's the only reason that we can be different. Well, my friends, the reason that Christ made us different is so that we could show Him to the world. Christians, that's our, our greatest responsibility is to give glory and honor to God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And that shows through when we began to be different in the power of God. And here's what I want to leave you with today. You and I know that there are many times in our lives when we're just trying to blend in with the world. It's just easier to be like the rest of the world, isn't it? God didn't call us to that. He called us to come out and be separate. He called us to be different so that we can bring glory and honor to His name. He called us to that place of fellowship and being able to, to enjoy life together with everything that He has given us so that we might bring glory to His name. This morning, are you living in this world or are you different for the glory of God? Father, thank You so much for the truth of Your Word. Thank You for our salvation. Thank you, Father, for, for giving us the ability to grow in you and to be holy and to be righteous before you. And thank you, Father, for the joy that that brings to our lives. Father, there are some here today that have gotten so caught up in the things of the world, Lord, that they've forgotten that they're to honor you and to glorify your name. Father, there's so many times that just so much easier for us to blend in than it is to stand out. So Lord God, I pray that you'll give us that desire to stand up for you wherever we go this week. God, you've given us everything that we need for it. So Lord, help us to stand up for you. Lord, there's also some folks here that have never trusted you. Lord, they don't know the hope that we have. Lord, they don't know the fellowship that we have with you. Lord, they need Jesus more than they need anything in this world today. Lord, if someone needs to come to Christ today, Lord, I pray by your Spirit that you will draw them. Lord, I just pray you'll have your will and your way in our hearts and lives today.
so that you get the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? Would you just be honest with yourself this morning? Am I more like the world or am I more like Christ? If you want to be more like Christ, I want to just ask you to bow at this altar and ask Him to be your strength and your help through each day. You may just want to come and pray this morning for revival that's coming in this church. You may want to just come and pray for someone this morning that has a real need in their life. Maybe a a relative or a friend that needs Jesus. You just want to bow in special prayer before them. I just ask you to come to this altar and pray. There's some here that need to trust Jesus as Savior. Trent and I will be here to pray with you and to help you with that. But you come this morning as God leads you.